Odyssey Richmond is the number one shop for all college basketball fans. We've got you covered. WRVA for UVA Hoops, 96-1 for Virginia Tech, WRNL for your VCU Rams. Midday host on WRNL 910 The Fan, Adam Epstein and his VCU alum friends will discuss the VCU basketball program weekly with insight, analysis, and interviews. This weekly podcast will be the answer for all Virginia Commonwealth Hoops fans. Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! And this is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Welcome into the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. This is episode 11. I'm Adam Epstein alongside my guys, Caleb Jones, Chris Mason, and Connor Bailey. And let's get things started by recapping the Capital City Classic, this time VCU at Richmond. How about Jameer Watkins leading the team and scoring off the bench? Great play from Jameer Watkins. Very well-rounded game. He was scoring the ball, super efficient, and then he rebounded like a crazy man. So uh, that's the energy that we need from Jameer. Uh, you know, you look at a guy like Jameer. Uh, I think all year long we've been saying, "Hey, you know, he's like he's the almost like the X factor." I think it was our our second or third pod. I said he was my guy for the year to to be a solid player in the non con and then kind of break out in conference play. Well, fifteen points, ten rebounds, and that's that's what you need from him. He's put up stats all year long, but in inefficient manners, like shooting two for seven from the floor. But hey, getting going eight to ten from the foul line, which is still good. Uh, but I mean, overall, three for three from th- three point land, or excuse me, three for three from the free throw line, two for five from three point land, 15 points, 10 boards. But re- he looked, he had like it, it was like almost he had a look in his eye. Like he was like, hey, it's a road game at Richmond. I saw us lose to them in the A 10 tournament last year. I'm, I'm coming ready to play. I'm coming off the bench and I'm going to ball out for us. So it was just awesome to watch. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing that I've noticed from Jameer is that he's got a different mentality about him coming off the bench. It's, it's like the coaches have told him, off the bench, you can go be the man. You can go score whenever you want. You can't do that as a starter. You know what I mean, Caleb? It's taken a lot of pressure off his shoulders, I feel like, that he was putting on himself. I feel like he felt he had to average double figures and do this and do that. You don't have to do that when you're coming off the bench. At least mentally, that's where your head's at. So I think that he's just relaxed and let the game come to him, and uh, it's working out really well so far. Yeah, and Brandon Johns Jr. has just been so good throughout all of conference play. And I'm going to play a little clip from my interview with him that I had earlier today on AWOD Radio later on in the show. Uh, but, you know, Caleb, you were listening to the interview. What did you think of when I was asking him about the A-10 compared to the Big Ten? Well, I, you know, I think he feels very comfortable with the uh, the level of play. And I think uh, he didn't really say it in the interview, but I think he was kind of surprised at how good some of the bigs are too. But I think that he's just uh, mentally prepared for the way that some you know some people's moves and how he might counter those. And he just looks like a solid presence in the post, which is exactly what we needed opposite of Jalen Deloach. You know, he's averaging 13 points, four rebounds a game as Johns. And uh, he's, you know, with the departure of Hassan Ward off the roster from last season, uh, you know, Ward was a, a presence defensively, but we didn't we didn't have consistent interior scoring last year. I mean, Vin- Vince Williams played like he was a small forward by trade, but he played he played down low and would like post up occasionally. Uh, so having having an impact guy down low, and we knew Deloach could could progress this year. But he's still young, uh, but having a guy like Johns Jr. played four years at, at Michigan, including the 2021 tournament, he had double figures against Florida State in the Sweet 16. So he's played in big games. But coming here, he's looked calm all year. You know, at, at early on, he was kind of dealing with a bum ankle, but he's he's a player that if you 
I, I wouldn't call him a get a bucket guy by trade, but he's he is someone you know. Hey, other team scored a couple buck, scored you know six straight points or something. Throw it down to Johns on the post. Let him do his little spin move, and uh, he he's going to score. That's just how it works. And it's pretty balanced scoring effort overall. Fifteen for Jameer, fourteen for Ace. B Johns had twelve, none at eleven. So. You can't key on one guy, Shriver with 10, so it's a great team effort. You can't just key on one guy defensively. Yeah, and then the Richmond side of things, watching that game was an eye-opener for me. Jacob Gilliard's the reason we lost last year. They miss him a lot. Yeah, Jason Nelson's a good player, and he's just a Gilliard clone. Mooney has guys, and he knows how to recruit them. So, I mean, that te- that team's solid, and that's a great win on the road, especially against your arch rival. So, it's awesome anytime we can do that. But I do feel like we overwhelmed them. I felt like we sped them up. Uh, they, they turned the ball over a decent amount, and uh, we forced a tempo and played our game. And, uh, you know, that's kind of been the hallmark of what we've done the past five or six games. Uh, to follow up what Caleb was saying, uh, kind of speeding him up, I never felt like Richmond was comfortable offensively in that yeah. game. Uh, you know, they cut it to, you know, it was a 10 point game at the half. They cut it to four, maybe four. I think it was four points at the close at around the 11 minute mark, and that's when we just took off. But I, it was one of those games I never, I wasn't that worried. I was, it was more of a, oh crap, they've cut it close, but I wasn't like, oh, we're going to blow this. Richmond never, even Burton, Burton, the game at the Robin Center last year, uh, Burton was off the whole night. This time, I mean, just couldn't, couldn't really, five of 13 shooting, and he's a, Tyler Burton's a baller. He's very likely going to be a first-team all-A-10 all player. He's going to score enough points, too. But I never felt like Richmond was comfortable offensively, which is a testament to our defense. Also, it's, hey, this, this team is young. You know, let's turn them over. It's 19 turnovers, so we really got in their heads that night. Yeah, and we had a great play, game plan against Burton. You force him left, and he's a high school basketball player. He goes <laughs> right, and he's like a guy that should be in the NBA. I really feel that way when I watch Tyler Burton go to his right. It is so athletic, and he can get to his spots. Caleb, so you know how people say when you play against the full-court press, you can either you know beat it and then set up your offense, or you, you try to burn them, right? You beat them, and, and you take the quick shot because the guys are open. I feel like that was Coach Mooney's game plan. It was, let's beat the zone and, and hoist up that quick three, and it wasn't falling, though. And so because of that, I think that's like what Connor said. They kind of didn't look comfortable. Yeah, quick possessions that don't turn into points are going to get you in a hole quick, and then you're playing a game that you don't want to play. Um, so I, I like like Connor said, like you've said, I think that we we kind of dictated the tempo of the game the entire time. When I looked down at the stat sheet, we actually had two more turnovers than they did, but that's just because I think we were playing at a frenetic pace, and that's what we wanted. And the final minute was ugly for VCU. Well, I know Toby Wall had five turnovers <laughs> in maybe ten seconds. So. Ugly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Jaden Nunn had a few there as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but let's move over to the Mason game. So VCU beats Richmond by 12. Yesterday, George Mason, the Patriots, our rival up Interstate 95. They drove down south to Richmond, Virginia. And left home crying. I mean, wow, a beatdown. Connor, what'd you think? First thing I'm gonna say is we may be their rival. They are not our rival. Just I'm just gonna I'm gonna lay that <laughs> hey, out there. Hey, I'm gonna disagree with you there completely. We played them in the CAA all the time. I grew up a Mason fan, and I would say VC was a rival. So I mean, maybe you're right from that perspective, but we played against Mason for like 20 years now. They're our little brother, and that's why I'm gonna leave it. <laughs> so uh it's personal. George <laughs> I know, right? So George Mason comes here. Uh not this, not particular coach Kim English, but previous coach Dave Paulson had three wins at the Siegel Center, um, and I've seen some members of uh, Mason Mason fans on Twitter say that was kind of their style. They didn't turn the ball over a lot, so they were a good matchup. But uh, coming into this game, you know Mason turns the ball over a lot, and without ticket gains playing, ticket gains one of the best defenders in the A10. Him out, I, I knew they'd be. 
I knew there'd be a challenge, but um, it was pretty evident early on that our defensive philosophy was Adoro's going to score. Let's stop everyone else. And that's, you know, Victor Bailey Jr. had a couple threes, but it, one or two of them were kind of in mop up time. We were like, hey, we're going to let Adoro score. I mean, he had to work his butt off for those 19. I mean, he had a couple easy layups, but he had a couple like runners and stuff, mm-hmm. like hook shots where he, he had to work for it. But it was let Adoro score. We're going to do everything else. And it, another game that just never, other than the first three minutes or the first two minutes where we turned the ball over three times, it just kind of smooth sailing. I would say the biggest takeaway for me was the points off the bench. VCU had. 29 points off the bench Mason just six they had nobody that they could bring into the game to the score while we had Watkins we know what he can do off the bench Jackson was hitting shots Shriver let us in scoring yeah yeah, yeah I thought and, and the D was really good I thought that uh you know Deloach obviously got in foul trouble but when he was in he did an awesome job on Aduro I don't know how many points Aduro actually had when Deloach was in I feel like he had the majority of his when uh, Johns and even he'd get mismatched with Shriver and Kern too. And yeah. Kern and yeah. So. Is that an issue moving forward? Because we too we do play with those two big men a lot, and then we move to a smaller lineup, and it seems like teams can take advantage of that. That's why the stat monster monitors <laughs> Jalen Deloach's fouls for forty because we got to have them. <laughs> you, you mentioned Aduro, uh, and at first he had six six turnovers last night, so we, we were in his head at times. Only had two rebounds too. For a guy yeah. who rebounds, is, I think he averages seven or eight rebounds a game too. Uh, but you mentioned when Deloach on him, even if even when he scored on Deloach, I felt like Deloach kind of like when you have a big man who's a great shot blocker, and even when he doesn't block a shot, like a Larry Sanders, Mo Alicox, they're all their presence matters. Uh, Oshuni at St. Bonaventure, so even it, when he was there, he would always just he's in the back of the defense. You're like, hey, you know, you can't t- take it to the rack on him. I felt like Deloach was was just getting in Oduro's head at times, um, you know, almost swatting him and stuff. So even when he didn't, even when he gave up a bucket defensively, I still feel like Deloach was doing a good job on Oduro. Yeah, and I think we need to give a big shout-out to VCU Athletics, to all of Ram Nation, to the students as well. The Stewart C. Siegel Center was electric last night. It was sold out. It was mustache heavy it was very mustache a lot heavy. of mustaches 600 mustaches oh my gosh I, I, I thought about Shriver. shaving after the game yeah <laughs> uh, it was it, 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 it might be time speaking of speaking of Shriver, Chris man, would look really good with a mustache it would, it would. i had one in the summer i'll bring it back <laughs> rocking it so speaking of mustache shriver it is you know we, he's he's reached the point where not, not that he's cooled off but uh Defenses, I mean, they're, they're stretching. I mean, they're, they were face-guarding them last night i think it was uh bailey was face-guarding him like 30 feet out <laughs> you know yeah. but uh he came to VCU to do what he did against Richmond two for five and three for five against Mason. You know, he's not always going to make six threes, but he's, he's he touches the ball. The whole crowd gets up. It's it's awesome to see the, the crowd get around him. So many times we talk about VCU being at its best when the backcourt duo is combining for 20-plus points, and they did that last night. Ace Baldwin had nine. A little bit of a quiet night there. Couldn't hit his three-point shot, 0 of 3. But Jaden Nunn, 12 points, and for a while he was leading the team in scoring. And they complement each other so well because Ace can get basically anywhere he wants on the court, but I feel like he doesn't love the mid-range jumper. You know who loves the mid-range jumper? Jaden Nunn. Well, we said at the beginning of conference season, what's going to take us to the next level? What's that next gear that we can hit? And that's our two lead guards playing complementary basketball. And Ace and Nunn are playing very well off of each other. Uh, but not just on offense, on defense too. Yeah, I'm starting to get Theus and Brandenburg, Briante and Theus vibes on defense. When you have your two starting guards averaging around two and a half steals a game, I mean – that. That that is VC. That's vintage VCUD. Yeah, I and mean, it, and it starts at the top and it trickles all the way down. And we are disrupting people. And uh, 
Our perimeter defense, and I'll get into this in a little bit, but it has been awesome since we got into conference play. I think Nick Kern deserves a lot of credit, too. too. On the full-court press, his length, his size, and his speed, too, right? He is very quick laterally. He can stay in front of people, allows the trap to come. But Ace Baldwin made the best play defensively yesterday when he caused a backcourt violation, 10-second backcourt violation, by himself with about three or four Mason players in the backcourt, and he kept poking the ball loose. I honestly don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. <laughs> it was it was the Briante uh, inbound play where he slid headfirst like 20 feet against Mason by himself too. against Mason, against Mason. Right. And, and stole the ball. And yeah. stole the ball. Like th- that play in my head is like in that echelon. It's just like a crazy single effort by a player that just wants it on defense. Yeah, and he had a great overall stat line, nine points, nine rebounds, seven assists, just the steady leader, even though he's not heating up like the leading scorer. He's just making everything go. Career high in rebounds, too. Yeah, I mean, near triple-double. Getting up. So, Ed, you you mentioned Briante play. You know, it's, it's a bummer Connor admission, but I totally missed that Briante play in 2014 against Mason. I put my I was looking at my phone and I totally missed the the dive and steal. So that's just something I, I always remember. But Ace, it was one on four, like Adam said, it was one on four defensively, and he's just like swatting it. And TV Ted Valentine's about to call ten seconds. Me and a me with like getting into it. We're like ten, ten, and it, it was it was rewarding to see Ace deserve a ten second call back. Yeah, it was a great win at the Siegel Center last night. Now it's time to hand it off to the professor. Chris Mason. Time's up, and the professor has arrived at classes with grades in hand. We're going to have recess all the time. How rowdy was the stew last night? Here to grade the crowd's performance, it's Chris Mason, crowd rating. So that was the first sellout since um, I don't know how long. Connor, do you happen to know off the top of your head? But... I think we I think we sold out the St. Bonaventure at Richmond game last year. Okay, but, so but definitely not a lot in the last few years. Yeah, so it's the first one this year. Um, it was very crowded. Usually, I'm looking at the top behind the baskets, and it was um, every. There's a lot of people sitting down, but it was jam packed with students back and everything. They brought all the athletes from the different team out, which filled up a lot of seats. Um, they had a great deal, which I took advantage of, the $8.04 tickets, and I immediately hopped on that once oh, I saw Oh, the 804. The 804. <laughs> there you go. They need to do that more. Um, <laughs> and yeah, they they were super, the crowd was super into it. The beginning of the game, Mike Rhodes mentioned that, that um, it was electric from the beginning. Um, it never really got loud because they VCU dominated the whole game. They're kind of dominating at home, like UMass. They were up 30 at one point this game, so it's not the ex- most exciting, but I feel like you'll be surprised. I'm giving that a B. That should be like the standard sellout. Nothing electric, but I want to be like sweating and like have my ears ringing. That's what I need for an A+. No, didn't get to that level. Did you have any food or drinks at the game last night? I did. I had a chicken sandwich, and Caleb was surprised. <laughs> yeah, But it was not uh, Chick-fil-A level, but it was solid. So oh, cool. not bad. Is my- so here's how I know that it was loud, all right? And it's when they do these... Dumb little contests, but are really fun to watch, like the dance contest or who can make more layups in a minute. But the dance contest, like it got really loud when that girl was, you know, twerking or whatever, break dancing. That's how you know it was a good crowd. Yeah, students engaged on that. They just shoo them off the floor. Yeah, right? (laughs) Love that. All right, great crowd review there. Now it's time to hand it over to the stat monster, Caleb Jones. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Let's hand it off to Caleb Jones, the stat monster. 
All right, checking in on seeing how we are protecting the ball and seeing if we can average 12 turnovers or less a game. We had 18 against Richmond and 17 against Mason. That is uh, not great, but I felt like a lot of those turnovers came at the end of the game and you know what are mo- were more or less blowouts, so I'm not sweating that too hard. I don't feel like we had too many live ball turnovers that resulted in the other team scoring. Ace had an assist turnover ratio of 5-2 to two against Richmond and 7-4 to four against Mason. Uh, both are pretty solid. Uh, our Ken Palm adjusted defensive efficiency has jumped up to number 23 in the country. That is a massive leap from being in the mid-40s, uh, I believe, only a week ago. And our offensive efficiency rating is up to 162, steadily climbing. Um, the fouls per 40 for Jalen Deloach because, as we said, we need him to play as much as he possibly can. Uh, he had three fouls against Richmond and five against George Mason. Um, again, I think he did an awesome job on Josh Aduro. Uh, you know, you could tell when he wasn't in that Aduro kind of had his way, but he just did a good job walling up and just keeping him from where he wanted to be. One of his fouls was definitely a clean block. Just oh, the oh yeah, and the, there's all an ball. offensive foul right at the end too, right? That I don't know. The um, block, that was all ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here's an interesting stat. Uh, Haslam, I think his name's Eric Haslam. Haslametrics, yeah. Yeah, he's like Bart Torvik or Ken Pomeroy. <laughs> he's another one of these guys <laughs> that's created his own algorithm. But we are number one in the entire country in his momentum rating. Whoa. Meaning we're the hottest Woo-hoo. team in the in- entire country. Wow. That's, so, that's a fact. The, we've had a, a, a positive efficiency rating in six of our last – in our last six games. So it's increased every game. So uh, whatever we're doing, we keep doing it better. And honestly, breaking it down, it's our three-point shooting offense and defense since we started A-10 play. We are 44.5% from three ourselves and 29.8% guarding the three Mm. that is a winning recipe so the big question is can we keep it up and i think with the depth that we've developed yeah shriver might have have an off night but what happens when jameer steps in or Jaden nunn steps in or a starts hitting right zeb and brandon johns as well i mean john jr is going to hit three this season i promise you guys (laughs) and and like we were just talking about with ace and nunn and kern on the wings playing defense and jameer too i mean his defense has gotten better when he when he locks in, I mean we I think that we have the size and the and the tenacity to just make people shoot poorly, and uh, I yeah I think that Rhodes's plan is kind of coming to fruition, and I think it will travel. Question for the stat monster because I know we were kind of arguing about this in our group chat this week. The net, all right. How much does that really matter to you? How much does it get affected by a twenty point win? Uh, a lot apparently because we've climbed. Uh, I don't know what how many it is, but we're now we're number one in the entire conference in yeah. net. Whereas Dayton was kind of hovering in the same area after two just head scratching losses. Because when Mason went to the basket with five seconds left, I was praying for them to miss and us to yeah, get a twenty. Yeah, I mean a twenty point win's big. I mean it. It sounds stupid and it is. Uh, it's stupid, but it's reality. Right. Nice exactly. block, Furman at the end. Yeah, I know Definitely. Furman. Yeah. So uh, a couple of the stats you mentioned, uh, one of them was the Ar- our Ken Palm defense. And like you said, just two or three weeks ago, it was in the 40s. It entered A-10 play in the 50s. And uh, there was some concern heading into conference play that, you know, three, not coming this season, three of the last four seasons, we've had top 15 defenses at VCU. The 2018-19 season, I think, ended at seven or eight. Uh, 20, tw- two years ago, 2020-2021 was 14, I think. And then last year, was I think it ended around six. It was three or four for a while. So it's three times in four years you have a top 15 defense skeptical offense 
with elite defense, you can still win games. If you have a defense that's ranked 50 and the offense is shaky, you're looking at an 11 and 7, 12 and 6 season in the A10. So our offense is obviously growing up, but our defense is locking down. That's how, in my opinion, you can compete for a title. So that's one thing I will say. You mentioned can we continue to keep this up? Yeah. And um, I think I think Saturday against Bonaventure, they're, we'll get to them in a, in, a, in a minute, but they're not great on the road. So I, I'm not worried about Saturday. We're going to have a game. I'm not counting the St. Louis games or the Dayton game. The two St. Louis or the Dayton game because those should be close. We're going to have a game whether it's whether Fordham comes here and kind of just mucks it up for a while at St. Joe's at Red Island. We're going to have at least one game where we just do not play well. We do not hit shots. We we you know we find a way to win by five or six against an inferior opponent. But like you said, it, maybe it's a night where Shriver goes like two for eight. But does Watkins come off the bench? Does does Banks come off the bench and have a big game? And and I think. Not that I want us, I want us to win every game by as many as we can, but we're gonna have a game where we gotta we gotta grind through a win and who who steps up. And that's I mean, gonna... There's gonna be multiple. The probability yeah. probability just in general suggests that. I mean, like look at baseball or whatever. People go on slumps, and oh, yeah. that's why I think depth is so important. Yeah, oh. and, and playing defense because you know even if you're not playing great on offense, your defense can keep you in a game. And then hopefully you can click on offense at some point. And one of your favorite things to say is regressing to the mean, right? Right. right. What is the mean? What is our average for three-point shooting? You know, right. at a conference, it was a lot worse than it is in conference. Uh, Stat monster, have you noticed Zeb Jackson's shooting form is a little different? I feel like he's jumping higher and he's releasing at the apex of his jump. It is Got a pretty shot, in my opinion. It's uh, it's it's sexy if you're so, a lefty so like myself. I was, I was quizzing <laughs> some of some of our uh, some of our friends and my dad last night. On he was who who is the has the lowest three point shooting percentage on the team? It's Zeb. I thought so yeah. by a fair amount, and then Brandon Johns is not far uh, ahead of him. So, but yeah, I mean, like if he can develop any sort of outside shot, and he's hit a few lately. So if that confidence grows and he can add to it. More another tool in the belt. I mean, the arsenal grows. So, I will say in in uh, eight a ten games, he's shooting fifty one percent from the floor, eighteen at thirty five. Now, granted, I bet twelve to thirteen of that is eighteen are layups or dunks. Yeah. But hey, I mean, if you can do that, but even uh, from an offensive point of view, twenty two assists to thirteen turnovers. That's almost almost two to one from a bent uh, the seventh man off the bench or the the, 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 the seventh guy in the rotation. That's that's and, good. And let's not sleep on this too. He's a good free throw shooter. Very good. You need that in tight games. So. Oh. It, it, it can be killer if you don't. <laughs> You're listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast, an affiliate of the new sports radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. We release a new episode every Thursday during the basketball season, talking all things VCU basketball, who sit atop the Atlantic 10 Conference, which a matchup Saturday, 6 p.m. against St. Bonaventure. I'll throw it to Connor Bailey to break down this game. So uh, Bonaventure comes in as a team, uh, almost a whole new roster. And uh, right now, sitting at ten and eleven overall, four and four in the conference, and their problem is they have—is it zero wins away from home, Caleb? They have, I think, one. I think it's a neutral site win too. Oh, it's uh, Notre Dame. They beat Notre Dame on a neutral site, and yeah. it's uh that where St. John's and the Islanders play. Islanders play hockey. It's like in Queens. It was at that arena. It was like the Gotham Classic. They have one win away from home this year. Uh, coming off a, uh, you know, Fordham's not awful. Awful Fordham. They're not. Good by any means. They're, they're not like basement Fordham, but they lost to Fordham uh, last night and lost at Loyola Chicago on Saturday, who also wasn't good. So they've lost two straight games. They are a team, you know, you have Daryl Banks, who's a St. Peter's transfer, played in the Lead Eight last year, played at the Sequel Center last year. I heard Coach Rhodes on the, the post game of the Mason game last night saying, We've only seen one player 
on their roster, and it was Daryl Banks because <laughs> he played for St. Peter's. So he can shoot. I mean, he's you know he's shooting thirty seven percent from three, but in a high volume, twenty five to sixty six from three in in, in uh, conference play. Chad Venning, their second leading scorer, that's a big dude. So mm-hmm. he's going to get boards. He kind of reminds me of that um, the big guy for Kennesaw State. I forgot his name. He was the big guy who had like twelve rebounds against us earlier this year. So they have some players. Uh, Mark Schmidt's a very good coach. Um, has proven, you know, uh, believe it or not, I've, I've been told he, he can do more with less. I don't know if you guys knew that, but he, you know, he, that's <laughs> kind of his, that it's kind of his coaching forte. But uh, this is a game against a team like Bonaventure, who, heck, we lost on the road last year. And granted, the roster is completely different. Uh, a couple of their guys are at Iowa State, uh, Alabama, Florida. Um, they, a lot of them transferred out. But uh, look, VCU is seven and one right now uh, on a six-game win streak. Not that, you know, it's not like baseball where you have the all-star break, but we're about to close out the first half of the season. And halves and, you know, the the, the the schedule in the A-10 or in conference isn't even at any ways. But you come out and you get a win, primetime, CBS Sports Network, 6 o'clock Saturday. You can close out the halfway midpoint at 9 or at 8-1. Eight and one. Be honest, I didn't see that happening before the season. December, I definitely didn't see it happening. I thought, you know, with at Dayton, at Loyola, at Richmond, at Duquesne, I thought minimum two losses – and you, you have a home opportunity this Saturday to finish the first half of the season eight and one in first place. Uh, so that's kind of the way I look at it. Bonaventure can score a little bit. They're just not good on the road. So let's uh, let's get an early lead like we did against Mason, like we did against Richmond, and uh, let's pound it. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned a roster that is filled with guys that we're not familiar with. It's going to be hard to game plan for them. That, that's me thinking as a fan. Well, thank goodness this game's at home at the Seagull Center so we can play off the crowd if they get out to an early advantage. Yeah, it's not a – Terribly deep team. I mean, I see uh, about seven guys in the rotation, which is pretty on brand for Mark Schmidt. But, um, I mean, they can be dangerous. Uh, Luke is kind of a slippery small guard, and Daryl Banks is, will head pick you to death, and he's a pretty good shooter. He's got hair, um, hair too. It's really, it's yeah. really long. Chad Venning <laughs> is kind of a plotter, but, like, yeah, like you said, he's a big guy. And Moses Flowers is pretty good in, in uh, spurts. So, yeah, I mean, we definitely got to defend and, uh, yeah, wear them down. So I uh, hopefully can hopefully we can guard the three point line, wear them down, and just play our, our standard defense. And uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing is just away. not to have a letdown at all, right? Like yeah. Connor said, like you said, Caleb, we're the hottest team in the country, uh, but we only stay hot if we keep winning. If exactly. they, at the end of the game it's still a W and we have more points than than the opponent, we stay hot. The problem is, is that you know, like we said, a let letdown's gonna happen. Does it happen on a Saturday at six p.m. with a block party? I hope not. I, I, I mean, I think that's gonna be part of it. That the crowd's gonna be ready. I'm expecting ten thousand people on Harrison Street. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> that that. That, that might be a lot on Harrison Street, but I'm, I'm all for it. I yeah. mean, if we it fill up the arena, right? I mean, six o'clock on Saturday. Six is a, six is a better shot than four. You, know, you get a, I always say like the four o'clock and the two. Four o'clock is my least favorite because it cuts my day in half. Six o'clock, I can do stuff all day, uh, drink all day, is <laughs> what I mean. And then it ends at eight. Either I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm old now. I'm thirty. I'm just gonna go home or I just keep partying. I'll just make the decision after the game. So I'm excited, nonetheless. And then on Tuesday, it's a road game at Davidson. Is that a bit of a trap game? What do you think? Um. I don't know where Davidson's season's going. Uh, they don't scare me. Playing on the road's never easy. Right. I feel like, I mean, as long as we play a solid game, that game should not be a question mark whatsoever. Um, obviously, you can't let them shoot well from three. Yeah. But, I mean, like, Foster Lawyer seemed, like, last game, nine turnovers, like he wanted to just leave at halftime. <laughs> and I think it's like as long as we take that same approach and you kind of cut off the head of the snake with him and don't let him – don't get in foul trouble where he's shooting a bunch of free throws. And uh, I think that, you know, we should be able to handle them. It's hard to kind of get a grasp on it because, you know, they play, they host St. Louis tomorrow night. And uh, St. Louis fans always talk 
always say Belk Arena is the house of horrors for St. Louis. They can never win there. They're over since Davidson joined the A10. So it's hard to tell because um, we haven't played St. Bonaventure yet. I could see Monday because the game's Tuesday. I could see Monday us thinking, you know what? We're about we got at Davidson. Then we have at SLU home Dayton. It could, it, it could it could easily turn into a trap game on Tuesday. But, I, uh, I will say I do feel like Rhodes does a really good job taking one game at a time, and every coach says that. But I do feel like he focuses in, especially before big games, because, yeah, I mean, you have to be on your A game to make Saturday or Friday against St. Louis a big game, mm-hmm. to make Dayton the following Tuesday a big game. Yeah, I'm not expecting a letdown at all. You're listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. I'm Adam Epstein alongside Connor Bailey, Chris Mason, and Caleb Jones. You can hear AWOD Radio 12 to 3 Monday through Friday on 910 The Fan. Earlier today, I had Brandon Johns Jr., the grad transfer from Michigan, on the show. And one of the questions I asked Brandon was, why'd you choose VCU? Let's take a listen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I definitely... Definitely wanted to be able to showcase my game and be able to play how I know I can play for sure. And I think Coach Rose is amazing with um, helping me believe in myself and like showing me what I'm capable of doing um, in practice. So I, I feel like they've done an amazing job instilling all this confidence in me. Yeah, it's, it's a perfect match for both sides. We needed that calm, you know, veteran presence inside and he you know he's got good size like 68 240 you know um and then i think that he wanted playing time and a, and a place where he could go and have the freedom to take shots run the floor and and he's b- both people are getting what they want and it's uh he seems like a very person and a great guy to have in the program slam dunk get from an athletic point of view slam dunk get from an academic point of view because if you have good students it helps your is it what, what's the verb? Is it GPR? There's a or there, there's a verb. There's a verbiage for college athletics. Even when a player transfers out, you always want them to have good grades at their future school because it it helps your. You know, you, then you don't go on like probation for for student athletes. Not GPA. Academics. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's it's some there's some yeah. I forgot the, the rating. So that's two things, and it's good for Brandon. I mean, he has a my understanding is he has an undergraduate degree from Michigan. He was there for four years, so I assume he, he graduated and he gets a grad degree. I think it's is it criminal justice. I want to say I think I think I remember uh, uh, Mike Letos's article, but it's it's slam dunk from athletically and academically both for the for VCU and for Brandon Johns Jr. Yeah, I, I think the only problem is that I bet in the back of Brandon's mind he'll never say this publicly. He's thinking, damn, wish I transferred last year. So I could have one more season, makes right? You, makes you wonder. Because he's had such an impact this year. What would it be like if he was two years as a Ram? <laughs> I, w- I wish that was the case. I wish he, I wish you'd get two years of him. Trust me. Uh, yeah. All right. It's time to hand it off to Connor Bailey. Each week here on the Black and Gold Fan Podcast, we each get our own segment that we want to bring to the table. Connor dives into a little bit of a throwback Thursday with This Week in VCU History. This week in VCU basketball history. Every episode, Connor will break down a memorable game in VCU basketball history that took place during this week in time. January 25th, 2014. So uh, the Mason game was played last night, exactly nine years ago this game took place. Uh, VCU went up to Philadelphia to play at Tom Gold Arena against LaSalle, the LaSalle Explorers. Uh, and this is our second year in the A-10, 2013-14. So LaSalle, beforehand, made the Sweet 16 as a 13 seed. Uh, you know, the Southwest Philly floater by Ty- Tyrone Garland, who had 30 points in this game against VCU. Trivia question, where was he a transfer from? Ooh. Um, is it another I, A-10 school? No. I loved that guy for, for Yeah, he had, he had dreads. He looked um, like RG3 out there. Maryland? 
Virginia Tech played two years at Tech really? and like barely played, uh, but he had thirty points in this Good game. Good trivia question. Um, it's just something I always remember. But uh, anyways, fun game. My dad had hit me up. It's a Saturday noon game like on ESPN two or ESPNU. My dad had hit me up that uh, Tuesday, and this is our this is me, Adam, and Chris's junior year, and uh, it was like, hey, you know, I have the alumni. It's like the, the the alumni boss were taking it up there that Friday, so we left left the Sequel Center area around like one on Friday. Took the bus up there, hung out Friday night, got a little Pat's cheesesteak and stuff, went to a random bar and started talking basketball with like a hockey player. My dad, it was kind of funny. Um, took the bus Saturday morning to Tom Goal Arena in North Philly. Uh, and VCU came into that game 3-1 and one in the A-10. LaSalle was 3-1 and one as well. Uh, we were 15-4 and four overall, and we trailed pretty much the whole game, uh, as many as eight points with five minutes to go. Uh, we grinded it out, forced overtime, had a chance to win in overtime, missed a couple free throws, uh, went to a second overtime. Rob Brandenburg hit some big threes on the stretch, and we ended up winning in double overtime, 97-89. to 89. Uh, One of the reasons why this game was so huge for me, it, it was a big road big road win for BCU. Uh, LaSalle, like I said, they were 3-1 in the A-10. They ended up going 7-9 in the A-10, finished ninth place. We ended up going 12-4 in the A-10, uh, finished second place. Uh, we're a five-seed in the tournament. But uh, one of the reasons why this game was so memorable for me is and we'll notice this weekend we play St. Bonaventure's. Uh, do you guys know the significance of what happens on the fourth Saturday in college? Fourth Saturday in January of college basketball. There's something the coaches do this w- weekend every year. Do you guys know what I'm talking is it about? Coaches for cancer. Coaches and they wear for shoes? cancer. They wear the, typically white white night uh, white kicks. It's usually white shoes. Um, at least VCU and the coach Smart Air. They always wore white shoes. But it's coaches versus cancer. So you can imagine VCU versus St. Bonaventure's. Both coaching staffs will have not dress shoes, but you know, basketball kicks, Nikes, that kind of thing. So, who was the VCU coach that year? Shaka. That was Coach. Yeah. That was Coach Mart's fifth year. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I bring that up. Uh, it, it was so important to me because that's coaches versus cancer weekend. Um, so I'm a junior in college at that point, and unfortunately, my freshman year of high school at seven oh eight, my gym teacher uh, Carrie Rorty, she was also the field hockey coach at James River. She was my gym teacher freshman year, and she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, did okay, went into remission. Came it came back towards the end of my high school uh, uh, time frame, like junior senior year. Um, and then went away, and then unfortunately, when I was in college, she had a couple bouts with it, and unfortunately passed away. I believe it was the 24th or the 23rd, like two days before that LaSalle game. Um, it meant a lot to me because I was a B student in college or in high school. I was a B student. Uh, got it's kind of why I went to VCU. Uh, not, not, not hating on our school too much, but uh, I, I was I was a B student, and um, I had one recommendation from a teacher, uh, and it was my freshman year gym teacher, Carrie Rorty. So it, it, I remember I'm actually looking at my Facebook post from January 25th, 2014, and it said, we rode the freight train that is Travion Graham to pick up a double overtime win versus LaSalle, something, something, something. He's my best best player since Eric Maynard. It's only fitting that on Coaches versus Cancer Saturday that fellow JRHS, James River High School alumni, can celebrate the life of my freshman gym teacher who provided me with my first college recommendation when I was applying to VCU. Let's go VCU, hashtag Team Rorty. It was a big uh, big thing for the athletic program in high school. Um, so memorable game, not just because we won, which was an awesome win. Um, the Philly fans are barking at my dad and I because we're standing <laughs> up. My dad actually saw his brother, my Uncle Rob. He's about five years older than my dad. Uh, likes gambling. He was heading to Atlantic City with his buddy. My dad had no idea he was going to be at the game. Um, and the cool thing is when we were heading out, Gerald Henderson, uh, VCU great, uh, NBA great, first of all, three, three-time NBA champion who li- who's lived in Philly since the early 90s, hopped on the bus and, and waved us. But a uh, fun game, uh, a little more, uh, l- little more uh, meaningful than a lot of the games I've talked about because it, it kind of hit him to me. Um, so I'm going to do a little, little fun game this time. I'm going to do a game called uh, name, name That Player. I'm going to give you the stat line, Name That Player. 34 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, shot 10 of 16 from the foul line. He was our leading scorer that night. 34. 34 points, 12 rebounds. It's, it's got to be Trey. Right? Travion, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Travion, 34 points, 12 rebounds. I'm going to look at Chris here. Second leading scorer, 27 points, 15 rebounds. 
God, I was going to say Melvin until I heard the rebound part. Um, yeah. 27 points, 15 rebounds. was the second leading score. Shot 5 of 10 from the foul line because he was bad from the foul line that night. Oof. Javante? Definitely Javante. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so those were the, the two leading scorers. Third, uh, this one should be easy. 12 points, 5 steals, 5 assists, 4 rebounds. Briante. Yeah, that easy. would be a Briante. So those, those were the three guys in uh, double figures. Brandenburg only had 9 points that night. Uh, was 2 for 4 from 3, but hit both his threes in the double every time. Uh, and then Jordan Burgess also started that night. Hit, had 6 points, hit two threes. Um, fun game. Travion Graham just cementing his allure as a VCU great. Uh, it also had a little emotional kick for me because uh, she was a she was an awesome gym teacher. But a fun win uh, in January, and uh, Tyrone Garland had 30 points that night. We still got the W up in Philly. Connor, great story, and I appreciate you sharing a, a sad memory like that. We're all thinking it, though. Who told you it was a good idea to get a PE teacher's recommendation? Like, <laughs> I had my AP history teacher. <laughs> I, I had an a, a, and I said, why not? I'm going to ask her, and she gave me the recommendation. and uh, It worked. It, it, it worked. worked out, baby. It worked out. You know what I mean, Caleb? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I guarantee you the dean of admissions at Virginia Tech took one look at physical education. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't, he I, can I, go to VCU. I ain't, I ain't applying there. Oh, really? <laughs> Hell no. Where'd you apply? Just because we're on it. VCU, I got into JMU. Uh, so the night VCU played um, Florida State in the Sweet 16, uh, you know, it's it, that game started at like 10 o'clock on a Friday night. Uh, at midnight, I could find out online if I, I was accepted to JMU. And uh, my mom's, and I'm watching it at home, and it's like 11.58. She's like, check at 12. I'm like, Mom, watch the game. You know where I'm going to school next year. And, it, and I, you know, click the button at midnight. Uh, it's like, I think overtime had just started. And it's, oh, congratulations, Patrick Connor Bailey. You're accepted to JMU. She's like, oh, it's great. I'm like, Mom. You know where I'm going next year. So uh, a couple other schools. But, uh, yeah, overall fun memory, and uh, we, got the, we got the win in Philly. Yeah, I, I can't talk smack. I got denied from JMU. <laughs> Caleb? Great place. Glad I went there undergrad. <laughs> yeah. All right, now it's time for AWOD's Energy. What's got Adam Epstein hyped this week in college basketball? It's time for AWOD's Energy. What about VCU Hoops has AWOD pumped up for this week? I am super pumped up that we got the sellout against George Mason. Why is that? Because we have officially started a sellout streak. Yes, I was talking with office. They have sold out the St. Bonaventure game. We're doing a block party from 4 to 5.30. And your boy's going to be doing some MC work there. I don't know if I'm going to take the mic and go... Don't start no, won't be no. You know what I'm talking about? But uh, that's what I'm so pumped for is that I'm going to be able to talk to a, a massive crowd of VCU fans, students, alumni, and just people in the city, and I'm really looking forward to it. I don't remember doing a block party when we were in school, Connor, and so I'm really looking forward to it, man. I remember the year after we were in school. This would have been Coach Wade's first season, uh, 2015-16. One of our out-of-conference games – in November, I couldn't. T- I can't remember the opponent. They did a big block party on Harrison Street because we still, you know, we were out of school. We had friends that were still in school, and I remember going to our friend Joey Cassia's house. He lived on a lived on a Clay or Marshall Street in Carver, and I remember going there and then popping over to the kind of the pregame and stuff. But uh, yeah, no specific block party associated with the basketball game. But you know, you, you bring up you know it's AY's energy. You need to, you need to pump these kids up because uh you know they don't they didn't know what it was like standing on Broad Street in rain. For two and a half hours waiting to get in, you know, you, you, we had to show the ID, man. You had to show that we, we didn't get, we didn't, you know, get some ticket scanner. We, we had to show the ID and wait in line for two and a half hours. These kids need to get their butts in the seats and root for the Rams. Yeah, and it's great since we don't have football. This is a big tailgate experience of the year. You got to hang out outside, maybe have drinks ahead of time, get pumped before the game since 
we don't have that experience in the fall. Yeah, uh, Caleb, I might have to steal something from the stat monster because if I come out there and I tell the VCU students that the Rams, according to some crazy guy's stat, are the <laughs> hottest team in the country, I think they're going to lose their minds. They should. This is, uh, they need to reward the guys. I mean, uh, eight and one. What is it? It's eight and one win streak or uh, streak since we started conference play. Yes. Nothing Six to bat, straight, yeah. yeah. Nothing, nothing to bat an eye at, and uh, you know these guys have played hard and are playing the game the right way, and uh, getting a, a full crowd behind them to keep them on that trajectory is huge. So uh, hopefully we can do that. Also, want to give a shout out to two junkies listeners that I met at the game yesterday. They were sitting uh, near the court, like basically first row. Uh, they were wearing awesome TBT long sleeve shirts. Said so they listen to my show. I'm not sure if they listen to the podcast, uh, but we want to encourage everyone to listen to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. You can always tweet us your thoughts by getting in touch with us. Where Instagram, Twitter, uh, Black Gold Fan Pod. Some iteration of that. And you can <laughs> some iteration. <laughs> Look it up. It'll, you'll find it. And then you can also always send us a voicemail. We don't do open lines here because it is a podcast rather than a radio show. But you can send us a voicemail and give us your thoughts on the season. This one comes to our from our friend Alex. I'm very excited about VCU basketball and where we stand right now. Um, currently 16 and 5 overall, have won six in a row. We do have 10 games left um, as we finish up A-10 play and head into the tournament time, which is almost about a month away. Um, so really looking for VCU maybe to lose one or two of these games out of the next 10 and right the ship as they head into A-10 tournament play and just get hot there. The team that's hot when it comes to uh, tournament play is where it's at. Interesting point there from Alex. Any thought, Caleb, that VCU is actually peaking too early? You definitely want to be hot come tournament time. We saw that with Richmond last year. So has the thought snuck into my mind? Yeah, a little bit. Um, so that's, I mean, I, I think that's like we were saying earlier with the depth and all that. Like you have to be prepared uh, to maybe go on a little drought, at least some individuals, but the other your other teammates pick you up and you kind of just keep a steady ship the whole time and then hopefully get hot on top of that too. So, yeah. While the Gold Rush dancers, who do a great job, were out doing their routine last night, obviously I, I can't pay attention to that because I'm thinking about basketball the whole time. But uh, yeah, I, I was sitting there kind of actually thinking the same thing you were saying, Adam. Like, did we, did we peak too early? And I'm sitting there, I'm like, what did Al Davis say? You know what Al Davis used to say? Just win, baby, Just win. win, baby. And that's it. it there's going to be ups and downs. Shriver at some point is going to have a night where he doesn't shoot, doesn't shoot the ball well. I, I think maybe. I mean, maybe at this point. I don't really know. But there's going to be a night. Maybe it's at Rhode Island. Just kind of you just slog away to a win. Just keep finding ways to win. Yeah, they're rolling through the A-10 right now. Look like the best team. Um, I they might not slump because the league's so bad. It might get one <laughs> bid this year. Like, but um, it might. Yeah, you. They're looking great, and you don't want to be like peak too early. And <laughs> a little baseball reference: you don't want to be the New York Mets and just be peaking in like yeah. July. You want to get hot, All like right. the Phillies, and get hot at the end. And I'm just saying, no injuries, because it seems like we always have a big late season injury. So stay healthy, just cruise into Brooklyn in six weeks and see what happens. You're listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast alongside Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, Chris Mason. I'm Adam Epstein. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Final thoughts here. We go around the room. Quick 8-10 talk here. Like, I was surprised to see Dayton lose last night. Dayton's in trouble. And they got their Malachi Smith. There's their two starting guards back, Kobe Elvis. They're in, they're in big-time trouble. They just don't look like themselves. I think they have to gel a little bit. St. Louis is our biggest competition right now. 
Um, they lost Fred Thatch to a torn ACL, who's their big-time glue guy, a really good player. So, I mean, everything is there for the taking that we want. we got to just keep playing solid basketball. Uh, everything else will take care of itself. Follow up what Caleb said, Dayton, you know, de- definitely one of the most talented teams in the conference. They kind of remind me of St. Bonaventure last year, where all A-10 play, I feel like everyone's kind of waiting. At some point, they're going to go on a five- or six-game win streak. And Bonaventure had a couple three- or four-game win streaks, never quite did it, went out in the quarters of the A-10 tournament last year. So they, they remind me of them. Uh, St. Louis is definitely our biggest competitor right now. Obviously, we got a couple games before we had the big Friday night game. But one thing about the A-10 is there's a slog of teams ranked like four to ten. And, and some of them can be, you know, UMass is one of them. They beat St. Louis. Duquesne's one of them. They beat us. Uh, GW is one of them. They beat Dayton. So that's going to be interesting, that slog from 4 to 10. How does that shape out in the next month? I, I will say one thing that's interesting to me is some teams have very favorable home-and-home home schedules, mm-hmm. whereas we get Dayton twice, St. Louis twice. So in, in a normal year where there's several at-large contenders, that's a good thing because you can boost your metrics. In a year like this, it's kind of like, oh, crap, now we might just shoot ourselves in the foot. Um, but like you were saying, like Duquesne, like they have a very favorable schedule. I was looking at the m- month of February for Dayton, like outside of us and the Arch Baron Cup or whatever they call it, uh, they have a favorable schedule. Mm-hmm. Like I, they are going to go on a run, you know. Exactly. So, um, yeah, we just have to – we have to be playing good basketball come early March too. Caleb, I took a picture of you at the game yesterday. I want to get an update from you with your little section there. Are they listeners? Can we get one of your friends to leave us a voicemail? Sure, we could get my old man to leave one. I don't I think we'd probably reject it, though. <laughs> we got to get Ed Nixon because you sat with him at Barrios, you said? Oh, yeah. So for the Friday night game, uh, Ed uh, VCU great Ed Nixon uh, had a little watch party at Barrio. And I, honestly, I'd never been to Barrio. It opened like in 2019. Uh, I went to, I used to go to Vintage back in the day, but it was, it was a fun little party. Deluxe, he, baby. And he, um, too old for you. Yeah, Ed, Ed, yeah, that's that's going way back, though. Um, yeah, Ed, Ed was a great time. You know, he's he's someone who knows how it is to be a fan now, but he also he played college basketball. He played at BCU. He knows what these guys go through on a regular basis. Uh, but yeah, it was. I, I would if he does another watch party, which he said he will on I'd Tuesday, go. right? Yeah. yeah. I'm going. Absolutely. We should do a, a team up with him with a black and gold fan pod and a member of the 2011 Final Four team, Ed Nixon. Be Sounds awesome. Great. Appreciate everybody listening to the show. Go Rams, go.